I'm Cape. And I'm Drew. We're just two former student athletes who understand the game. Not just on the court. But in life. At the end of the day, we just want to help. Today's athletes and former just trying to find their way. It's bigger than sports. This, this is, is the Cape and Drew Podcast. Podcast the, the Real, real TikTok. TikTok. I'm Kate. I'm Drew. Today we got a special guest. Long time coming. Uh, this next guest here is is kind of more like a family member that you didn't really know was family. Uh, we kind of this is the first person that kind of really kind of took notice of us in our you know our journey, and it kind of made us feel good. You know, it's like it's the first time someone tells you, you look nice today. And so <laughs> <laughs> we uh, just getting to know this person more. Just the coolest person you're gonna meet. She's from the crib. So please welcome none other than Miss Candace Cooper. What up, Coop? Man, thanks so much. That's a that's a throwback right there. That was back when I was doing my life after sports podcast gig lifestyle. So yeah, hey, that's that's good stuff. Family is family. Yeah, and it was just it was so crazy because we, we came and I talked to each other like right after it happened. We was like, yo, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, y'all have. The only person we noticed was, was each other, really. It just so that that was, that was pretty dope. But yeah. Jump right in. So how are things, you know, going for you right now as far as, you know, pandemic? Yeah. Life's good. Um, I think that it's just been crazy to adjust to my new normal, which is working from home. New normal, which is just really staying inside, <laughs> watching a lot of movies. I've watched the entire Marvel comic universe, got a chance to do that. So from like start to finish, my boyfriend's a big fan. And so we literally sat down, he walked me through. Cause you know, if it's not your ministry, it's not something you enjoy, but like, I, I got into it, right? Like when Wakanda came out and that whole like light, I was like, like I was really excited, right? So I'm just, I got really into that. I've seen so many documentaries on Netflix, can't even begin. So it's been, it's been fun to kind of like explore those different sides of yourself, like art and reading, you know, television, watching, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I've been, I've been chilling inside because I'm just trying to do my little part as <laughs> best I can. <laughs> hey, what's that last Marvel? Is it the Infinity War? Is that what you're talking about? The Captain Endgame. Yeah. Endgame. So I watched mm-hmm. like the last, cause they're like four hours long. I watched like the last two hours of the Endgame. <laughs> and I told my wife, I said, yo, this is kind of dope. <laughs> like I kind of <laughs> want to go back. I see why people got so into it. Right. I, I don't, I have not taken the time to go back to like the 10th, the first of the 10th one, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. No, listen, I cried when Black Panther went to heaven. (laughs) Why don't I even call him Black Panther? Chadwick Boseman. I literally was just like, man, I mean, but I had just watched it. So like I was in boo-boo tears. I was like, we have to watch Black Panther again. I was like, we just have to (laughs) in honor off the string. I know. I've been watching the spinoffs. And then, like you said, if something happens, you'd be like, yo. I was planning on going to bed, but we got to keep it going. We got to watch it. Got to, got to. Uh, just one, just one more, right? Just one more. And the uh, and the meme started making more sense that you see with old boy that's basically unbeatable. Yeah, yeah. Whatever his name is, you see the memes, and they always say when so and so shows up and talking about him. Exactly. I never, I never got it until I watched it. I was like, oh, right, it's, right. It's, I was- I was doing this podcast with uh, Darren Brand, and he's really big in the Marvel universe. And he was talking about Thanos, and I was like, you know, Thanos, just like, what does that even mean? I really don't care. And he was cracking a joke about the fact that I didn't know stuff. And now I'm like, listen, I know all of it, right? I'm I'm I'm, the, I'm not an expert because I'm not like crazy like that, but I've learned to stay through the end of the credits and watch the next little clips and see all that good stuff. So it's been fun. Now, yeah. are you a Game of Thrones person? 
Absolutely not. Nah, I have limits. <laughs> I don't do dragons. <laughs> I don't do dragons. <laughs> Drew, Drew, Drew watches all that crazy stuff and been trying to get me to watch it. I'm like, man, I watched like one episode and I was like, okay, this is crazy. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Right. So it's a lot of guts and glory. Mm-mm. Like, I'm not good on that, but like stuff like Snowfall, like that kind of stuff, I can get with. Okay. That's my show. Okay. Now we talking. Now that's my show. Right. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm uh Franklin Sane in my head, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm onto you in my head, bro. I'm like, listen, you need a deal done, let's go. Like I'll put my hair up, beat her butt, and get ready back to my show. Like that is my sh- that's my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I binge that. But anyway, so I think you're our first swimming or swimmer, former student athlete swimmer that we had on the pod. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yes, and if, for the <laughs> listeners out there, if you if you can't tell by her voice, she is a black woman. Yeah, <laughs> there it so, is. You being involved in swimming, like, how did you get involved in that? Like, you know, because that's not a thing, and I don't want to be as you know, put us in a box here. You I can't swim, so <laughs> I'll box me up. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm just saying. I know we're doing a lot of things out here, but that's to me. That's I, I mean, I don't even know if VCU had a swimming team. If yeah. it did, I don't. Th- I yeah. don't think it was all. I think it was all white. If we did have one, but anyway. Yeah, of course, probably. Yes. Listen, Hidden Gym, North Carolina Central has one of the nicest pools in North Carolina. Nobody they do, uses they do. it. Nobody uses it, but I've I've done a couple laps up there a time or two. It's a very very nice pool. I don't know why they don't run uh, low income swim lessons there, but hey. You heard it here first, so if it does happen, give me my cut. But <laughs> I did start in the swimming world, honestly, at the YMCA. I wanted to be in the deep end, and they told me I couldn't because of, like, the band testing that you used to do, like, in the summers and stuff. So I had to, like, pass these band tests. After a while, I was just, like, super determined, and then I saw, like, people swimming laps consistently. I asked my mom about it, and she let me join this team, like, once a week, but I was obsessed. And so it really just became swimming for a Y team, and from there – kind of just became competitive at eight, met one of my best friends, Blair Cross, who was black at Moorhead City. And she kind of just put me on game to how it all really worked. <laughs> and I actually just really took a life of its own. It became one of the, I mean, I did everything. I did softball, I did basketball. I didn't really like team sports. And I say that to say, it's kind of like group projects, right? Like I can do my part. I can get my A. But I'm not going to bust my hump to get my A and then allow you to get an A as well if you're not truly invested in it, right? So, like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to motivate you to the point where, like, clearly I'm not you. So if you're not going to go hard for it and I don't win because of you, I can't. I'd rather lose on my own. I can fail by myself. I can fail if I don't get it. That's on me, right? But, like, if we fail because you was not feeling that day, your boyfriend called you back, like, I can't handle that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't handle that. So like, that's my own personal guy, whatever, what have you, super type A, but like, I, I'm very, I can handle my own failures. I struggle with other people's. So let me ask you this as a follow-up question. That's an interesting perspective. And this is the barbershop debate right now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Brady won his, what was it? His seventh uh, ring mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. months, about a month or so ago. And so everybody wants to go, greatest of all time, I don't care the sport, da 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 and I'm like, it's hard for me to say that for all sports because I, I consider like Serena Williams, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, other mm-hmm. people that play individual sports. I feel like y'all have it harder because on the flip side of what you just said, 
like Robert Ori has like nine rings, but <laughs> he wasn't the best person. So like Steve Kerr has seven or eight rings, whatever it is, but that doesn't make him like the greatest. So I argue like, sir, if you're going to say Tom is the GOAT, Serena, what's Serena then? What's Tiger? Right. That these people right. that are playing individual sports where everything is on them to go out there and win. And so I guess it's, I guess it's how you look at it, but that's how I, that's how I view it. I, I can't call him the GOAT in all sports because he had help, right? Well, listen, I think at the end of the day, it's a lot have to do with uh, branding and people wanting to just give Tom that because of who he is and what he looks like and all that good stuff. But I don't believe that he can throw to himself and catch it. And then I don't believe he could be in the backfield and run through, you know, the brick wall that is defensive line. So I do not feel like he is the greatest of all time. I also like, I mean, I know he won seven, but he also cheated. So like, let me talk about that. <laughs> I know <there's> <laughs> I know people want to give him his due. Like at the end of the day, winning is winning. Fine. Everyone does what they have to do. But if you're a known cheater for multiple occasions, it's hard for me to respect your wins in the same light. Don't take away from it. Like he might be the greatest winner of all time, or he could be the greatest scammer of all time. We really don't know. Right. It's a whole, that could be a whole show debate. But I do agree that like Serena, I think it's just different when you have to put your body personally through something and it's all up to you to accomplish said goals. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. In high school, right? What time was swim practice? Ooh, 5.30. Ooh, maybe it was like 5.30 to 7 because we had to get to school by 8. We had any time to change. Or it was either 5.45 to 7.30. So, yeah, it was, it was brighter. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. In college, was it the same? Yeah. College was <laughs> 5.30 to like 7.15. You got ready for 8 o'clock class, especially like freshman year. It was awful. I hated yeah. it every single day. Like chlorine the rest of the day, like it just doesn't even matter. See, I got used to my smell. Like only people who didn't smell, like you know what I'm saying? Like if you're not in the pool, you don't. But after a while, it's just like if I, if I well, it's a trick. Like if you lick your skin, then you can smell it. But uh I didn't I didn't really I get got used to the scent. <laughs> it was just a part of who I was. Um I I, I bathe. I can't speak that to, for everybody, but I believe in a nice shower and cocoa butter after practice. Again, that's not everybody's ministry, but um yeah. I think it's from different upbringings. <laughs> my daddy was not okay with coming out without a, uh, some hat on my head. You have a wet hair, you know, your skin is like an alligator. Like he didn't play that. So I appreciate that to this day though. <laughs> I really do. And speaking of, so your father was an athlete, right? And yeah. I looked at him, I was like, oh, like that's crazy. Like with the say dog, hooped, basketball. Mm-hmm. Now how did he impact you kind of growing up with like getting involved with sports? Yeah, so I talk all the time. My dad's the reason probably why I know half the stuff I do, especially when it comes to, like, football and basketball, because he was willing to take the time to teach me, right? Like, okay, 11 men on the field, on both sides, like, all that kind of stuff, breaking down different things. And it's funny that I'll go to certain events and I'll, like, call plays or call, you know, fouls while they happen, and someone will be super impressed. I'm like, oh, me and my dad do that, like, all the time. Like, oh, pass interference, so offside or holding, stuff like that. So uh, he's really been the biggest influence. I'm so glad, though, that he did not – kind of forced me into basketball <laughs> he just knew he wanted me to do my own sport and I think that's why he clung to just letting me be me and uh I didn't really want to be a hooper because of him like I wanted to be coop in her own right instead of being like oh well your daddy hooped especially in Raleigh like mm-mm. I just wanted to have my own kind of story but yeah he's been with the greats so he's all that job but he has some good stories honestly it's mostly his teammates bragging on him he's very humble uh, so I think that's also where I get that from. But yeah, he's he's the inspiration when it comes to the athletic side. 
What's your pop's name? Don Cooper. Okay. I got some Googling to do. I'll just Yeah, he was drafted by the 76ers, but ended up getting cut because of a really good guy. I don't know if you heard him, Julius Irving. <laughs> 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 yeah, he was on team with Jackson J, got cut, and like overseas wasn't big back then. So he was just like, I don't want to go play, you know, in some Italy country by myself. So he ended up taking a job in Raleigh with the Department of Justice. Met my mom, there were only two black people there and they got married. It's really, it's really crazy. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of Dr. J. Was that, is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were teammates for like three weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, he did what many of us dreamed of and that's even right. putting a jersey on and going out there. So he must've, he, he had to be nice to even get yeah. to that. I think it's, <laughs> yeah it was also like you know the way everyone's hyped on the HBC culture now that wasn't back then right so you didn't have the same politics of people going to bat for you kind of the same way where you could be like oh yeah he'd come out of Howard and make it right it wasn't wasn't that unfortunately you know Mr. CI like when CIAA was all that big stuff he was all of that but he just didn't have the force behind him that was pushing and propelling him forward to put like being in certain people's ears. So it's amazing to see the change now, but he he'll be the main one talking about the H giving back to HBCUs. Cause the other day he was getting on the NBA with the whole all-star game. He's like, they gave $3 million to 107 schools. They got more money than like, he was pissed. And I'm just like, and he's like, you know, it's only going to go to the same three. <laughs> and I was just like, yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> My pops to the death. <laughs> That's like $50 to every school. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he literally was like when you break that down that's like one scholarship one tuition check that's exactly what me and drew talked about i think it was yesterday we were like that's really a drop in the ocean for for what they really need financially yeah. and 100%. I, I said that if we really if those people if us and the people that have it i'm talking about like these black people that really have some financial yeah. gain right like I think about Diddy, for instance. Diddy is a billionaire, and I'm not trying to be in people's pockets or whatever. Yeah, he's he's a prideful Howard alumni, right? Yeah. Diddy could support that school, just a yearly uh, endorsement or yearly whatever, and they would be they would be good off of his contribution. He could just write it off in his taxes. I don't know how all that works, but what my yeah. point is is that two people of that type of caliber could just stick to one school and then the other two people that want to commit like Chris Paul and somebody mm -hmm. else stick to Winston Salem State University a couple other people you, you but you see what I'm saying it's like I don't like Chris because Chris went to Wake Forest and he needs to stop acting like he did, did otherwise like that's my only gripe I was talking to Drew about this before we got on and I'm like when I went to Carolina I will never ever you know speak in the name of North Carolina Central because I never went there and that's not my experience so I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out who I can get to amplify that voice right. so they can you know get the spotlight and they can speak on you know stuff like that I mean no no shade to him right I get you can wear a sweatshirt to an event but it's just <laughs> something different <laughs> right to have that lived experience and you have Robert Covington up there and like all that kind of stuff but I also just thought the all-star game was super performative and it didn't have to be right like at the end of the day you didn't have to have a game you could have just written a bigger fatter check and we would have been fine. I think Bobby would have been just fine. Nobody's sitting here saying like, dang, I can't believe the Caps and the Alphas didn't step. Like nobody cares about that. <laughs> we're, trying to, we're trying to survive. You know, we're trying to keep these universities afloat after one of the worst, you know, financial crises of like our time, right? Exactly. So I'm just, I'm just priorities, people. Prior, marketing priorities, all that good stuff. 
But it goes back to, I mean, when all this stuff was happening in the summer and having Black Lives Matter on the court, that's cool, <laughs> right? And racism on back of NFL headlines, that's fine. But at the end of the day, what change are you actually having? Because you have guys like Myers Leonard who can drop racial slurs and you still keep him and it's nothing. So I'm just, you know, don't even, don't even get me. No, <laughs> we can have a whole we can have a whole interview on that. It's it's so bothering for me. Like it's so tiring. Because I'm just like at this point with so many intelligent black people, I'm like you're just lying. You're like the game is rigged. I, I also watch The Wire <laughs> during my break. <laughs> I've seen all five seasons, right? So I'm like the game is really rigged out here, and it's not fair. And we are just playing so far behind. We're playing catch up. But I think the anomaly is like people think, oh, Barack made it, so. That means we've made it. No, he is the exception. He is not the rule. <laughs> like, I just need us to get to a place where we can say, like, no, we are still very much playing catch up to all of this. And we might forever, like, I, I talked about everybody, like, I don't know that we're going to see it in our lifetime. I hope we see a more progress, but I don't know that we're going to see the change that we're all like, okay, enough is enough, right? And anytime uh, I see the college athletes, like, kind of making demands or shocked that something happens, I get that Draymond Green. Um, to Paul Pierce type of conversation. Like, oh, you thought they loved you? Listen, you saw them boys in Austin, Texas, like, oh, they're going to make you sing the eyes of Texas? Got it, right? So it's it's different when you start looking at places like Texas Southern. Like, maybe we should look at a Texas state. Maybe we should look at other avenues because if they're clearly going to tell you, you're going to mind yours and you're going to stay in your place. Like, how do you, I couldn't, couldn't. I promise you if I knew some ish about Carolina, walk, <laughs> sir. You know what? It's been real. God bless you. Transferring to Howard because that's the only HBC program available, but I can't. <laughs> like, I just can't. I can't do it. I don't, I don't know how these young men are. I mean, it's a mental toll, right? Like, you, how do you even operate when you're constantly being told you're only going to reach a certain level? Your ceiling is very much capped. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't think of you anything more than something to entertain us. And, you know, this whole one thing I mean, Drew was talking about was I agree with you. I, I believe that the All-Star game, it was great and they're bringing light to HBCUs. I'm, I'm grateful that they did that. But it seems like that's just the wave right now. You know, mm-hmm. if you take it back mm-hmm. to Kamala being from Howard and everybody recognizing HBCUs and it's great. It's a great history lesson for what they did for black people, allowing them a uh, higher education, and all that. But I hope I hope it's not one of those things that fizzles out. Like it's hot yeah. right now. It's the cool thing to wear the jacket and the shoes mm-hmm. and the, you know all of that. But I do want to say in Chris Paul's defense though about okay. the whole HBCU thing. So I don't know if you saw his story when he was talking about like he acknowledged. He said I didn't go to an HBCU. I went to a PWI, mm-hmm. but all my homeboys went to HBCUs. He said I didn't even know what an HBCU was. They were just going to college, mm-hmm. and so. I, res- I respect the fact that somebody is, because sometimes it takes somebody that not necessarily went through the experience of HBCU, but that's, it's almost more important for them to bring light to something. It's just like the Colin Kaepernick thing. Mm-hmm. I always said the biggest impact we could probably have one of them is that if a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning at the time came out and kneeled too, because then mm-hmm. white people would say, it was almost, it, it's almost like they'll get it then because one of their own gets it you see what I'm saying and so but I see the other side I mean I, I went to a PW I, I drew a tell you, I'm never gonna and I worked at an HBCU got my doctor from an HBCU but I didn't attend HBCU yeah. undergrad which is totally different so I'm not gonna rep and be out here like yeah 
I, I went through that. I know what this <laughs> is really like. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. Yeah. So, but, yeah. For uh, sure. um, but anywho, just kind of go back to what I was talking about earlier. So you were the first black female swimmer yes. at UNC, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to think that even in 2000s and even now, we still talk about the first of anything with black mm -hmm. people, but that's just where we're at. Yeah. Did you ever experience any racial uh, tension throughout your uh, tenure at UNC? And just for the listeners, what years... Well, maybe you don't want to say that. Let's not ask uh, that question. Honey, I've earned every year this year on <laughs> Earth, okay? Uh, 2008 to 2012, I swim in okay. Carolina. Um, oh, boy, we're going there tonight. All right, cool. So I think that my experience, um, looking back, right? So I can't even say there because I had a great time. Like, I chose Carolina because they... They were the only school and they were the only team that hung out with people who look like me. Like I, we, I would took my recruiting trip. And of course, you know, you hang out with the team, you see the team's vibe, whatever, what have you. And every swim team that I visited in other schools, none of them hung out with anybody but each other. And of course, being the only one, I was like, listen, I didn't grow up like that. <laughs> like I, I hung out with my, my you know, friend, white friends from 530 to 730. Then, all right, cool. Where are we going at on Friday night? Like I lived very much, you know, whatever, separate lives, but it was fun. Like I got to have all of my worlds kind of put together. So I went to Carolina and that Friday night they got out of practice. They're like, all right, Saturday, like we got one more and then we're going to hang out for a day. Saturday night we get to practice. It was Saturday night we get uh, to hanging out. And I'm like, basketball players start walking in, football players start walking in, like volleyball team. And I'm just like, I'm home. <laughs> like, I live like I'm home. And so from there, you know, I just like, I really felt like family, right? So my whole, I would say three and a half years was really cool. My senior year got a little bit messy, right? I was not voted for captain. And I felt like it was a situation where my coaches kind of just, made up some BS excuse. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. We know what it really is. Like after you talk to your mom, like, you know what it really is, but we just gonna go about our way. <laughs> um, so it's just a lot of things. In my senior year, we have a tradition where we celebrate our freshmen. They have a week of welcome, we call it. <laughs> so they're ushered into the team. And that night we had our senior dinner last night. And one of the girls, she made a racially offensive comment and I was thinking to myself, you know, I've waited four years to like really celebrate the fact that I've survived. Like my theme song was Survivor by Destiny Child. I was like, I've survived Carolina, right? So she says this word. And I'm just sitting here like, here we go. Just so on brand, really, for at the end of the day, you can do so much for people. And that's sometimes all people see you as. And so it was just very eye-opening a little wait, bit. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> let's, 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 let's clarify this. Yeah. So, I want to make sure we're clear and I understand what the word was. It was it the word? It was the word. Okay, it, so yeah, we give our freshmen nicknames, right? And so her nickname that was given to her by the sophomores and juniors was BNIT. Because it's like instead of saying sugar honey iced tea, she said BNIT, which was the word oh. in word iced tea. And so I was like, why would you give her that nickname? She's like, oh, she says it all the time and like when she's upset about something. And I'm like, first of all, why is that your common language? Second of all, why would you give her that nickname regardless, knowing that this is my senior year season, right? Um, I've only shared this story like three times, but here we go. This is family. <laughs> um, and so she ended up writing a letter to me, like super apologetic about it. And you know, I don't think I don't think three thoughts about it now, you know, but like when you unpack and you get to the older ages of doing therapy, you're like, 
that microaggressive behavior, like all the questions, stereotypical questions that you're asked, like you just get to a point where it's like, it doesn't even bother you because it rolls off the tongue. Like, oh, Candace, uh, what do you do with your hair? Candace, you, I was told in high school that I had an extra bone in my body. That's why I was a really good sprinter. <laughs> um, I was told that I was only going to get into school because I was black. And like, they told my mom, I didn't have to worry about it because like I was a shoe in regardless of my talent, regardless of my merit, like I was a shoe in because it, I looked good for schools and universities, right? So there was that. So I think it's just a culmination of all those types of things. And those are things like I can vividly remember, um, really just made my experience kind of like, oh, okay, so the BS is very much here. But I didn't find out that I was the first black one until I did my senior thesis on the plight of the black athlete. I was African-American studies major. We talked about the Sonia Haynes Center and how black athletes like would protest, use their voices, all that good stuff. And so I literally just had to call the, one of the older coaches and just ask him like, who black has ever been on this team? Because I just wanted to interview them. Like, hey, did they go in the nineties and like experience this stuff? Were they in the sit-ins? And he's like, no, you're the first. And so that's how it came to be. And it's not something that I literally go around like star, <laughs> you know, badge of honor. Like, cause I don't know that I feel, I don't know. I don't say I don't feel proud about it. It's kind of just one of those things where it's like, it shouldn't be that way in 2012, right? Like it shouldn't even be that way. So, I, and I also think in 2014, the second black girl came, right? Her experience were probably similar. So it's all, I, I feel very weird about first kind of narrative and yeah. anything with black athletics. Cause I think it's like, it's terrible <laughs> that we have to make this a thing. Like it's terrible that we have to sit and acknowledge it, you know? But also think about the one through seven who probably experienced the same BS, right? So right. tell those stories too. But um, overall, though, I don't regret it. I'm so glad I was a swimmer. It's opened so many doors. My family started a National Black Heritage Swim Meet in Cary. So, like, we are going to be the change, right? So we're going to be the people that no longer just say, there's only 1% of people who swim. Or I know Black people don't really swim or, like, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I hope my legacy is, is that people recognize that there are other outlets for kids who want to get education, sometimes a free education, right, to go to these universities that they maybe dream of going to. But I think that's pretty much how I <laughs> allow myself to not have regrets about what I did. So two follow-up questions to something you said. Um, first one is, did your coach know about that incident? Did, did it ever make its way to the coach? It did not. It did not. Because <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have because my reaction to it, I don't know that I would have been on the team anymore. So like it was handled. And the other question is, have you talked to that teammate since? I haven't, um, have not. And not because I don't feel like I don't, again, I don't hold a grudge to her. Like God bless her. Hope she good wherever she at. But, um, she wasn't the only one, like someone allowed her to have that nickname and be okay. So like there's, it was bigger than her, right? She was a freshman. She's ignorant, she's 18, still figure out her way. It's the other girls who knew that were okay with that, that I felt like I had more issue with and took issue with, so yeah. That's crazy because uh, when you was all like, yeah, man, at that point I had survived, right? And so immediately me and Kate probably were thinking, we just think about like all the workouts, all the conditioning, all the other stuff, but we didn't even really take into account. Well, I didn't like just like, like you said, how much little stuff you had to just go through about like little comments here and there. And it's just like, I probably would have yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like on top of that, you're trying to be a regular college. Like you don't want to have to answer for every 
uproar with the black community or like you're the good black girl you're not the mean black girl you're the nice black girl you talk white like you do you're good enough like ooh, honey like that just stuff like that boils my spirit but if you I mean on the flip side I'm not gonna lie to you I'm not gonna hold you it wasn't rose petals and gold you know sunshine skittles and rainbows on the black side either because I'm a swimmer like oh so you hang out with white girls all the time oh so like you speak you use English I'm like, man, my aunt grew up teaching me, you're going to speak the King Eng- King's English. They're from Kenton, North Carolina. Like, <laughs> they knew that to get to a certain level, you had to speak a certain way. And so that's what they beat into us, right? But then when, like, the like, I guess the queen of the code switch is what I've been called multiple times. I'm like, yeah, I can talk to people about the weather, right? Mm-hmm. I can talk to the CEO about the weather. And I can also talk to a family from around the way in 252 and we can have a certain conversation, right? So like, that's just what I've been blessed with, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, dang, like, can't believe I have to, you know, sit up straight and formulate a nice email. But yeah, sometimes I can just kick it with my friends and let my hair down. Like, I've been blessed with those situations and I think that's opened a lot of doors, so. Yeah, that's great, yeah. Now we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, like, <laughs> Cape and I, like, I remember in high school, this guy told me, I was like, man, what time y'all on y'all practice? He's like, man, five. And I was like, dang, man, what y'all do? Y'all got in trouble? He's like, nah, we just practice that time. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm so good on that. So, so swimmers, I feel like they have like the like a real demanding type of schedule. So what's a typical day like for a swimmer in college? Yeah. So let's say okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you practice from 5:30 to 7:30. And then you go to class from like between eight and let's say one o'clock. And then you have weights maybe from two to three. And then you'll have an afternoon practice from like 3.30 to 5.30. So that's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tuesday, Thursday, you won't have a lift, but you'll still have doubles. And Wednesday morning, sorry, they give you the day to rest. So thank God for that. So you don't have Wednesday morning, but you do have Saturday from like seven until. Some days it's seven till nine. Sometimes it's, you know, seven till 10. Depends on all what we're doing, part of the season. Depends on if we got in trouble. <laughs> like it's a, but every it's day's a good a two one. Day. Yeah, it's pretty much like let me last it through Sunday. So like Sunday we have off, and then Monday it's back on the wagon. So very strict schedule, very much time management oriented. You can have class from a certain hour, and then you know Saturday was that's why a lot of them would binge drink, myself included, on Saturday nights because that was your one free time, right? We got to have football games and we were lit. I was always lit in a football game. And Saturday night you went, you took a nap, and Saturday night you went out, you raged, and then Sunday you got breakfast at probably Sutton's on Franklin Street, and then you did your homework and you got right back on Monday. That sounds familiar. <laughs> that sounds familiar, but not at like five in the morning. <laughs> no, well, we had we had five in the morning. No, we had when was we had pool workouts in the summertime. That was once a week. That was once a week. That's, That's right. Week. We used to dread it. Yeah. And yeah, the pool workouts, pool. I enjoyed, uh, that's where I met a lot of other athletes, because the envy would be like, how the hell do you do this <laughs> every single day, jump in this pool? I'm like, you know, how you, have to, you have to talk to yourself, right? Because, you know, again, being a Black girl, we would just do stuff for certain things, like, okay, you have to hold your breath, let's say, from one end to the other. And, you know, a, a certain people, they can dial in and do that. And I was like, I'm going in my mama's head like, I'm no good in hell. Well, you're not going to go down the back and up breathing. Like, girl, if you don't come up here and get some air, what's wrong with you? Like, that's my thought process versus other people. But uh, yeah, just seeing other sports try and do water workouts was always fun. 
Um, but yeah, good times. So, y'all usually do those like water workouts. So uh, our water workouts, like okay, we'd be pool. We had to sprint right to the. Mm-hmm. Y'all would kind of do stuff like that, like it's like a warm up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we would be y'all. flat. <laughs> like y'all are vertical. We're flat doing that. But yeah, okay. that's 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 funny because yeah. That water was cold as hell in the morning, and mm-hmm. so. It, you imagine a bunch of, I mean, you saw the basketball team, you might have saw the basketball I mean, we're holding the edge of the pool and doing cake flips, mm-hmm. doing Shivering. Stuff yeah. Like yeah. I'm looking at my strength and conditioning coach like, man, I could fight you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember how drained we were after, like. Yeah. Drained. But I, I mean, you, yeah. you think about summer times. Those yeah. workouts got they work now because after yeah. you you do it a couple of times, you start flying. You start windmilling. I was three sixty like crazy. I mean, I knew, and it wasn't just because of the squats. It had to be because of the pool. Because yeah. you working all those muscles. Um, right. So y'all know in the summertime when y'all go to the pool and take your kids to the pool and they're like exhausted after yeah. a good, good sleep. That's how I got into swimming because my mom was like, "Damn, this girl goes like I was a night owl." So she put me into swimming out like a light and she's like oh yeah this is the one and so I think about I don't know how I survived I mean I, I definitely have fallen asleep in class not even gonna lie to you I remember one professor literally like stared at me as I like snored my way awake like I was just sitting there nocturnal knocked out <laughs> I don't even know what he was talking about but trying to stay awake coffee becomes a best friend for some I was always like I need to eat <laughs> if I don't eat I can't function and that's me to this day like I'm just not a good camper <laughs> I'm the I'm the definitely that Snickers commercial <laughs> can't function <laughs> can't speak to you correctly because yeah I've definitely been in class and having a dream it, it kicks up and yep. <laughs> wake the and just startle everybody I'll just be like but you know what being older and have taught like taught classes now in college Mm-hmm. I, I empathize, yo, with the with the student athletes. I had a class full of freshman football players, and I'm and like I told them, I said, "Look, I get it. Y'all gonna be tired." But I said, "We're gonna talk. We're gonna try to talk." And it was it was you one on one, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. nothing. We weren't building a bridge or nothing. But you know, I I tried to tell my other professor colleagues, I'm like, "Look, like don't look down on them guys. They're not being disrespectful. Like this is the first time." they have sat down all day. Like yeah. they've been going, going, going. They're tired. Like, yeah. you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, if it's repetitive, you know, you got to have a conversation, but just don't think they being disrespectful. You have no, I, I, I give them a lesson. <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea what these dudes, especially at like Carolina or you, yeah. and I work at the University of South Carolina. So I'm like, we in the SEC, big dog. Yeah. And these are pros, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what time do you wake up now? Uh, well, I actually just got a Peloton, so uh, the quarantine thickness has gotten a little too aggressive. So we had to get a little Peloton, get back right. Um, I sat on the scale and I was like, "Glory to God, that's too much. That's that's too much weight." So, six six forty five, we get up, we do our workout, and I honestly, I think because of swimming, I've had to get up early and just get my day started with working out. Because if I I have no motivation at the end of the day. <laughs> I just don't. I don't care enough. I'm like, you know what? I'm ready to eat <laughs> everything in my face because work's probably stressing me out. I'm an emotional eater when it comes to stress. Like, I need that cookie to pick me up because <laughs> like I just so yeah, I'm like, if I work out, I feel better. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you worked out, eat the cookie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's why I because um uh you know we do that now too. Like I wake up at like 3:34 in the morning. I sometimes I just be like, well, just go and get the day started. Like, <laughs> 
just, I can't sleep. I don't think we've slept past like seven or eight. Mm. I now, I, now I ain't waking up at three thirty. Like Drew's crazy, but <laughs> I wake up. I, I don't sleep past like eight o'clock. Like on a, even on a Saturday. I mean, I got a five year old, so I'm getting up anyway. But okay. still, like. Even before him, it's like you said, it's that athlete, and it's like we're yeah. so. Sometimes I have, I still have nightmares that I missed a practice or or classes. I'm so like, yeah, what? I have very, very, very vivid dreams about things that I'm going through. That I'm like waking up in a whole lost cell. Like I missed something, and I think that carries through from practice. Like I don't want to miss practice, so yeah. I always feel like I have something to do. I get yeah. that. Yeah, one dream I have is that I've been in the class all semester and I haven't known about it, and I'm about to fail it and be ineligible. <laughs> I have that same dream, Drew. I'm oh, sitting oh and it's like, it's like thinking, like, did I do the work or did I look at the work? <laughs> what I How did I not know I was in this class? <laughs> I know. Damn, I'm sitting here. Yeah. I'm sitting here right now looking at my notes. I'm like, damn, I definitely had a report due today that didn't get done. And I'm just like, because we're getting ready for this like March Madness campaign for this marketing job. And I'm just like, yeah, that report's going to have to wait. So, uh, yeah, that's the we'll, life. We'll move quick then so you get your, get back to work. So, uh, Oh, no, you're good. It's <laughs> it's not getting done today. <laughs> I got so Drew told me that when he reached out to you about doing this pod with us, that you you said you were ready to have a, I hope you're ready to have a transparent <laughs> conversation, right? Yeah. First of all, we're going to ask you what, what you meant, because this is, like you said, this is family. We've known each other. Mm-hmm. You. We like to say you helped put us on. We ain't really on yet, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, what's the worst thing you went through as an athlete in college? I know you talked about the incident with the, mm-hmm. with, the with the team, but I mean, my, my question, and I don't want to frame your answer, your response, mm-hmm. but did you have any bad interactions with any coaches or uh, professors or any, but you take it the way you want to take it. Yeah. So I'll tell two stories. Um, and I said that, you know, just to be transparent because I think when people ask me about my swimming experience, everyone assumes like, oh, you're the first black girl. So it must've been unique or like, either they think I like grew up in 1950 where everything was like suffrage and I'm just, you know, going through it or <laughs> it's the whole other side where everything was just beautiful. And I think I'm a different type of kid. It's like, I'm not going to give you that honest answer. And so that's always where I think people are like, oh my God, it's so crazy. It's 2012, you're the first black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a dollar for every time someone told me that or reminded me of that, right? Um, so like coaching story, let's see. I, in my freshman year, we had this ACC team and how it goes is 16 people make the championship team that can score and then got four alternates. So I ended up being a fourth alternate um, or one of the four alternates, excuse me. And I ended up being faster than all the other girls who were on the scoring team in my events. Like I just, I kicked their ass, right? I tell it now it's free. <laughs> I kicked all their ass. <laughs> and it was just so on brand for my coaches not believing I could do it. Like one, cause I'm a freshman, but two, they're like, oh, you don't, how you taper, which is essentially like how you finish at the end of the season, how you compete in championship type level um, is usually different than your in season performance. And so after all that, kicking their asses, taking names, but for no points. Like I probably would have scored all that kind of stuff, put Carolina in a better position. The coach at the team dinner comes up to me and my parents and essentially like, I'm so sorry, like apologizes because he knew he messed up, right? Like he knew he had messed up. He knew that he had one, never really spoke to my parents like that. Didn't really try to get to know me. Didn't understand me. And didn't try to make an effort to understand me. Like he knew all that. It was just a very unspoken. And so I saw him 
my, I saw him at Olympic trials in 2016 and it was kind of the same conversation because I had stopped training with Carolina. I ended up training at NC State because I was just like, I'm never going back to Carolina. <laughs> and I saw him at six, at, in 2016 at 26, a whole different frame of mind. And he just like gave me this big hug. Like, I'm so proud of you and all that you accomplished. Because he knew, like, why'd you go train at NC State versus Carolina? Because you knew that like you've given me such a bad experience and I'm not willing to come back to train with you guys again, right? Because it was just like, it was understood. And so I think it was very much full circle <laughs> to be as talented as I was knowing, he, I don't want to say he messed up my career because I could have been, I want to say I could have been much more than I was, but I don't want to take away from like, you know, life happened. I don't know what I could have been in that frame, but um, just looking back on it, had I transferred, had I gone to a, you know, a better university, somewhere in the SEC or Pac-12, what could my career could have been, but thankfully he kind of understood. Now, did he really understand? I don't know. But I like to think that <laughs> it was just, it was like the, the, we didn't have to speak about it, but you knew, <laughs> you knew like you didn't take the F, make the effort. You knew that having a conversation with me and questioning my work ethic and questioning my abilities, right. Or my desires to be with teams. Cause full transparency, I quit my junior year going into spring season. I was like, I'm not coming back. I, I emailed him like, I'm good. He's like, just think about it, take a week. And I was like, I don't really think. <laughs> I was like, I've done all I can do. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know that I can be here anymore. And uh, ended up finishing because, you know, we finish everything we start as athletes. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I can, you know, be a four-year letterman, all that good stuff. But that coaching experience is one that I now know how to deal with awful bosses. <laughs> like, I now know how to deal with people who are enabled to use their words to verbalize their feelings stuff like that passive aggressive all that kind of stuff like I now listen I've been through it so like nothing surprises me when it comes to management type right. skills and people who have that kind of stuff so I'm grateful for that bad experience because now I will never <laughs> be in a culture like that ever again yeah and that power too it's, it's that power date that they do have over you Mm -hmm. and so when they when you get out of it you recognize that that's really the only thing and they really don't have the power right it's just that they they're the coach and so when you're an athlete you know you're gonna do what they tell you to do you're gonna everything they say is bond like that's just what yeah. it is and then you get out you kind of like man they was they really <laughs> like they, they really like did yes. this like Antoine Fisher like no <laughs> right <laughs> but I think it's also like you really want to, I really bought in right I really love Carolina I really love right. being a part of that university I really love everything about the culture I really wanted to be everything I could be for that team and unfortunately I wasn't set up in a way to be successful because it took it took time and innovation to realize that you had a black girl who was built differently who required different you know things but that's on you to ensure that that, you know, we can work together cohesively. So it was unfortunate, but again, it's something I don't regret, but I certainly wouldn't do again. <laughs> I'm glad you had that moment though. Like when you saw him again, like down the line. So uh, like Cape's story is a little worse than mine, but we both kind of have that similar, like we haven't had that, that full circle. We run into that person again, but it's like, we always talk about like, yo, I wish you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> now right just because like like you, like you said like yo you really you were really on some other stuff <laughs> yeah and i tell uh, drew too i tell drew this too uh candace i'm like it's like you want to run into them again because like we're so far like you said we're better because of it, it sucks mm -hmm. you gotta go through that but at the same time 
we're so far removed from those little those little boys for lack of a better word it's like we're so we're we're men now and yeah. see that's what i try to tell people like coaches like yo these I, the people you coach they're gonna grow up one day like they're yeah. not gonna always be 18 to 20 21 22 like they're gonna grow up have families and you don't want to be the guy that they don't want to like you want to be the coach they'd be like hey coach what's up how are you doing 20 exactly. years later 30 years later exactly. like i don't have that with my coach like i, oh, I yeah I don't, I wish I did though. That's the thing because me and yeah. Drew, we, we're not perfect. We, we're decent guys. We want to have that relationship with the coach, but they wrote, they blew it. <laughs> they, they, just, <laughs> they, they blew it. No, yeah. I, I mean, every year we have the same emails and donate because, you know, swimming is not as funded, well funded as right. football and basketball type schools. And I'm like, I would never give a dime ever, <laughs> ever, as long as he was still coaching. He actually ended up retiring. And yeah. even still, it's kind of like there's certain people that are still there that I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm not giving money until they're gone. And so I try now. So over the summer, there is a young lady who actually swam at my family swim meet who ended up going to Carolina. She's a freshman there. And UNC has started this kind of podcast called Uncut, where it's talking to student athletes. And I ended up you know, sharing the story, especially when everything went down over the summer. And I was like, I just want to have that conversation because she's now someone where I look to where I can sit back and look at my time and say, she'll never have that experience because I'm someone she can look to and go to and talk to, right? I didn't have that, unfortunately. But I thank God that I went through that because now I can see like, listen, if you ever get any type of BS, three phone, one phone call, right? And I'll burn it down, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, just understand, like, that's how I feel about it because I'm very passionate about safe spaces. And like, of course, one day I hope to be able to give the type of money to an African-American female to swim at Carolina and all that good stuff, right? But I just know, what can I do in the moment? I can be an outlet, a resource for her. Like, I'm still in the young age where she probably thinks I'm not cool, but just enough where, like, if she want to reach out and text me, she can do all. No, you're pretty cool, though. (laughs) But you can also advocate for her. Yeah. And you have the platform to do it. See, that's the other thing. Me and Drew talked about it, too. We didn't have the platform in 2001 to 2006 or 2008, whenever Drew was finished. So now these athletes, we talk about all the time, like these athletes ain't taking, they don't have to take your shit. Like, (laughs) and they shouldn't. They they can get on Twitter and expose all of what you're doing. And it'd be true. You get enough voices, the AD gonna have a conversation with the coach. Um, And they should. And they they should. should. And they should. Because there's a lot of guys playing for free who are going to play at the next level and doing that for us right now in a time where, again, it's why I can't even, I can't even imagine trying to play a sport. I can't even imagine trying to practice. First of all, I'm a germaphobe. Swimming is gross. Like I can't imagine like trying to like be with my teammates in a pandemic, you know, like absolutely not. <laughs> and unless I can swim in a tube by myself, it's not happening. So let me know <laughs> what's going to go down. Cause I'm not, I like, mm-mm, not doing. So hey, I, I just you, like, can't imagine. You're definitely one of, I know just because just from reading your Twitter, because you had a tweet the other day that had me in tears. You were like, I'm watching these games and I'm looking at all these girls playing. I'm so jealous because these edges are just laid. Like hello. Cause I'm just sitting here like, like these girls got full on sew-ins and letting just the it fly. And I'm oh, like, how did you I sweat? I do a Peloton workout and my hair is done for the year. I'm just confused as to how they're able to look like lashes, full on beat makeup. I'm like, I can't. I remember getting mascara in my goggles and was like, this for the year. Like, I can't even. 
I don't know how these girls are doing. I'm very amazed. I'm very oh. amazed at the way that I'm like, I get you're gonna be on camera, but sis, I promise. They had me rolling like, yo, that is that is hilarious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ve- I'm very intrigued. I would love, listen, and I you talk about name, image, and likeness and all that stuff that's about to come around the corner. And I'm like, ladies, this is your time, right? Like, if you don't have a lash line, a makeup line, an edge line, some shampoo, you're not doing it right. <laughs> like, if you're not getting some, if you're not getting the coins out of this, like, yeah, they're talking about these men and their name, image, likeness. No, like all of our products, man, you women, can make some serious brands. Get blessed more than the men. I think. hello, hello. You could be a such a, you could be a brand ambassador. You have your own channel. When I tell you, I would have been a black mermaid having blogs, swimsuit line, everything. Start like I would have made my coin forget. <laughs> I've been a marketing guru. So I'm like, listen, hey, I'm just dropping gems here. Just plenty we'll see. <laughs> Get that edge control. Okay, jam. All right. Playing. Jam. <laughs> now, Playing. We, we struggled with this, like, like, you know, we were talking offline earlier, just about like some horror stories you were having, but we had them same horror stories. Yeah. What was your transition like kind of to life after sports? Like, did you automatically know kind of wanted to go in the direction that you wanted to go? Man, is it going <laughs> the way that I wanted to go? That's a full-on, you know, active <laughs> verb here. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. In a transition from life after sports, I was 26 when I retired. And so the identity I've had for 20 plus years has been the Black girl who swam. And so that's all I knew, just to be a Black girl who swam, right? I had that whole, I, I, I mastered it. And so to not have the biggest piece of my life, it was hard to reconcile with the fact that I didn't have something anymore. I didn't have the thing that made me me or like made me hip or whatever, you know, people identified me as. And so I was struggling to find out what's next because I didn't have a lot of career skills. I wish I had spent more time you know, career coach's office, just like, what do I do? <laughs> I can talk, but damn, can you get a career from that? I know I can write emails, I can write good papers, but can I be, is there, there's communication, you know, jobs for that. I didn't even explore any of that really. Cause I was just so bent, hell bent on working in sports in any capacity. That I didn't take the time to step back and say, well, what do you actually want to do and what talents do you already bring? So I started out in operations, event operations. I worked for professional teams while I was training for trials. I actually worked in promotions and fan events part-time for the hurricane. So I've been on the ice in all of its glory, almost busting my ass several times, you know, doing promos for them. Um, I've worked for the Saints and Pelicans doing operations where it was just like a lot of grunt, thankless work. And I'm like, okay, you like thankless work. You like doing stuff behind the scenes, but you don't necessarily want to be a part of a team necessarily forever. And so that transition you know, happened in and of itself. And I tried to get a full-time job with them and they ended up giving it to another girl, which is a whole nother story. I've had so many like horror stories that I'm like, Candace, how are you surviving? But I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> it's life. <laughs> Resilient one, that's what they call me. Um, but operations life and then going to communications now where I literally just went to a networking event and talked to a guy. And by the end of the conversation said, hey, why don't you just give me a shot on your radio show? And that's how I landed on the sports shop. Uh, I just said, give me a chance. Why not? And 2016, I did that. And I've been doing, you know, radio and stuff like that, you know, some sort of capacity and podcasting has really blown up in the last couple of years. I had a podcast with ESPN Raleigh. And then I took my talents to Texas and now I'm back here and I worked with Locked On Podcast Network. And so I found my niche. It's just not a lucrative niche. And so, of course, you know, finding that nice balance, which is where swimming came in 
to do my daytime job, <laughs> do this side hustle gig until it blows up, blows up while also being content <laughs> with being in a place where you have to do multiple jobs. And after a while, you're like, listen, <laughs> it might just be cool to chill and do this $8,000 gig, nine to five benefits, and you know, have a good life. But is that what I'm called to do? And so those are the questions that I just have to myself. And the transition has been not easy. Everyone who said life is linear is to kiss my ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, when they talk about sports, it's just like the networking, right? Like, oh, you just call this person, it'll be fun. Like, you know, that's not really how it went. That's not really how it goes. Um, I think it's a lot of work that people don't, networking is like a full-time job. Looking for a job is a full-time job. I think how you maneuver in this space, in a space that's to me transitioned into more, it's always been about like who you know, what you know, but like the clout of it. <laughs> like, I just want to be, I just want to say I work for ESPN. I don't necessarily want to put in the work to work for ESPN. I don't want to necessarily be the most qualified person to work for ESPN, but to say I work for this four-letter organization makes me feel like I'm hot stuff. And so thereby you look at me, talk to me a certain way. So if I'm not that, you look at me and talk to me me a certain way right so like you doing the cape in your podcast it's a great podcast a great outlet but because it's not on some name letter organization it's not as good no that's not what that means and so I think it had to take a moment of a pandemic really to step back and say if I never get to a certain level am I still doing what I'm called to do and that's still is that still okay <laughs> right is that still good enough am I still making an impact and that's a place of peace that I've certainly gotten. And people are like, oh, Candace, you're so zen now. Like, you're so super peaceful. I'm like, well, hell, I like kicking the face a couple of times. I'm telling you, <laughs> you start to mellow out a little bit. <laughs> you start to just like put it all in perspective. So I thankfully have just, you know, enjoyed the journey. If something else comes along, great. If it doesn't, great. You know, like that, I can, I will be okay. <laughs> and I think that's a place where you have to get through, get to in order to really make it in this thing. It's just dope hearing like literally this, what you just said is like Kay and I talked maybe like five years straight every day about just like, man, I thought as long as I graduated, I was be close to a millionaire. <laughs> like I thought that job was just about to be handed to me. What is going on? <laughs> and just like, I know, I know great things are going to happen for you just because I just, your winning is just crazy to me as far as just like, you know, uh, the knowledge, the banter. So I just kind of know that definitely this it's good things coming down the pipeline. But listen, your lips are God's ears because everybody keeps telling me that. And I'm like, listen, you done heard it from the saints, Jesus. Come on, right? Everybody's on one accord where two or more are gathered. Amen. Like somebody. <laughs> and, and I and I'll say this too, like to your point about you know, working at getting that job, that nine to five, that whatever paying job as long as you got your benefits and you're paying your bills. And then having like you're to me, your gift is doing what we're doing right now. Like you're yeah. you're just and you know this. This is new. I'm not trying to blow your head up. And then sure. you know this. But I think I saw something on Instagram the other day. This guy was saying, you know, people get it twisted. Like there's all these people on Instagram, social media talking about their entrepreneurs. And somebody lying. He's like, somebody lying though. Like basically get that nine to five. Get, let, let that support you and still do your entrepreneur or whatever your hobby is and, right. and let that fund that until you get to a point where that is your your only income that you need but that's that takes time like there's no yes. you can't just say you're an entrepreneur because you got this idea you still got to be able to go to the doctor and, and you need some insurance you know what I mean yeah. and so there's no yeah. knock on having a nine to five having stability 
and everybody got dreams because me and Drew saw we're like, like we love our jobs. We were, um, that's one thing I can say. I love working on the college campus, but you let LeBron or undefeated or <laughs> ESPN call and say, Hey, we want you to do Cape and Drew or something like this full time. And, and we're going to pay you X <laughs> with benefits. Right. You, think, you know, it's, that's a no brainer. And so, yeah. but, but it's, it's, it takes time. And so yeah. I would just say, you know, it's get that nine to five, whatever that nine to five oh, yeah. is and do this or do whatever it is in your heart to do. And then eventually yeah. it'll happen. And I also think we're in a world now where everybody can create a podcast. Everybody can get behind the mic and feel like yeah. they have a lot to say. And that's, a, I mean, it's good and bad, right? Of course, if you say what you got to say, right. it's not everybody's ministry and that's okay too. Right. If you do it because you love it and not because you have to, like the doors will open. And I think a lot of times people feel like they're like, they're the next big thing. And I'm like, if you're forcing it, it's just not going to come out right. It's not going to be organic. It's just not like people can tell. I can, I've listened to enough. I've been on enough <laughs> podcasts where I'm like, if it's not in the right flow, if you're doing it because you feel like, oh, I'm the, I'm the smartest in the room or like I can train, I can do this the best. Man, you're going to be so disappointed <laughs> when it doesn't go anywhere after like a year. And I'm not even like, you know, I'm being dead serious because the there's so many people who can spit facts, but like, what makes you, you, what is your authentic self? What makes you different from everybody else? And so I think that's the biggest thing that I've tried to maintain. <laughs> like, I think as a female trying to like talk about sports that I've never participated in, I'm not about to sit here and lie to you. Like I know this route. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Like I know <laughs> what this execution is supposed to do on this driving. I don't know none of that, but I tell you that's an awful play. <laughs> I can tell you that that man <laughs> messed up. <laughs> he didn't run the right route. I can tell you that. <laughs> Yeah. right like I feel like you just have to be who you are and yeah. nine to five life is real but find something that you can stomach because I think that's the hard part just, I've, just, I've been yeah. I've been a call girl I've, I've like literally been a person who like uh, helps people set appointments where I'm like yep. good morning this is Raleigh Pediatrics like that's what I, I've done all of it but I'm like okay this is helping me practice my like voice <laughs> for when I have to do radio and stuff so whatever you can do <laughs> to get you where you need to go yes. listen, ain't no ain't no shame in that and I feel like entrepreneurial life People glorify it. People glorify not sleeping. There is nothing nice about it. <laughs> no, you're not, like, there is nothing you're not, nice. You're not, you're not, you telling me you're outworking me while I'm sleeping. Okay. Right. That means nothing to me. <laughs> and you honestly, at the end of the day, like I'm going to be my own boss. You're always going to answer to somebody. Like you're going to pay Uncle Sam regardless. Like, let me, let me help you understand. <laughs> the game is real. You owe somebody something. HOAs, whatever, whatever, something. Capitalism is real out here. Like as much as we're trying to move away from it. And I wanted to bring back your point when you're talking about Kamala and Joe and all this stuff, like about fresh change. And like, for me, again, it came back to like, I don't even care about none of that. You're going to do what you said you're going to do, or you're going to end up being really upset. We don't no longer have this performative blackness where people are like, yeah, I'm not coming out and vote anymore. Why? You didn't do anything I asked you to do. Right. <laughs> right like you can be my sower all day long did you give me my 14 million check or not because <laughs> that's what matters to me at the end especially of the day. right now <laughs> get my stimmy <laughs> get my stimmy and let's go let's go by our way like i'm not i don't want to have to keep playing the whole like shuck and jive let's all be nice because we just want to get on for you guys to get on yeah. <laughs> like you're not going to actually help us right so i think it's it's all a game it really is, it is. so it's i think cool. that at the end of the day you just got to find your part and your role in it do what you can to survive. Like, 
like what is it Marshawn Lynch said take care of your mentals <laughs> take care of your chickens like don't don't do anything over it because it's cold out here it really is it's cold Candace it's cold, <laughs> it's cold out here but and I hate it when just, it's uh, blind size it's colder <laughs> let me just say this too and I know Drew want to add something but and I know we got to move on but it's so funny and y'all tell me what you think just throwing it out there Drew, I know how you feel because we talked about this, but you know, you grow up and you're like, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? Mm -hmm. I want to, I want a million dollars. I want to be rich, wealthy. Mm -hmm. You get older and that dream never goes away. Like who doesn't right. want that? You get to a space though, where you're like, I make a good living. My, I can, I make a good enough living to where I can save money. I'm not right. living check to check. I'm doing something I love. And like Drew always says, I can't buy a yacht, but I don't want a yacht. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So your, dream, <laughs> your dreams become like, you get to a certain space, like I, I'm, I enjoy what I do. I got money in the bank. I'm taking care of my family. I can travel when I, like there's nothing on Amazon I can't get, right? So right. like it's, it's perspective. And I think yeah. young people, they're growing up in this age where because of social media, you're comparing yourself to other people and you don't that you wear yourself out and because all of this bs anyway ain't nobody living right like that. absolutely it's and i think like you, the world is living like that yeah you look at pictures and i'm like looking at twitter and i'll just be scrolling i'm like i just would have never announced that i bought a house or i got keys or like you know i got a car or stuff like that i'm like do y'all know people rob like what is wrong with y'all <laughs> like, i grew up in the era people will steal like what <laughs> y'all just be real free like, like somebody can't find your location and go ahead and cop what you got like I think it's, it's a different era where we have to show everything we have to tell everything and we we're talking about you know the 2012 scandal and stuff and that's how it all went down right Carolina mm -hmm. so if you, if you just lived your life right and just enjoy whatever you had going on so I promise you if I was a student athlete and someone put $10,000 in my pocket told me to walk the other way swiftness okay swiftness okay I'm sorry what did you say don't say anything about it got it okay cool it's it. too much of having, I mean, we, you saw the guys in Carolina when they sold their sneakers. I'm like, you know, when you think about it, that was stupid. <laughs> when hindsight's 2020, but I, everyone has to show and sell and make yeah. sure they're high fashion or whatever, what have you. And it's unfortunate because it's, it fades. <laughs> you can't sustain it. It's so funny that you just said that, right? Because I always think that because one, I was like, yo, Carolina to be sponsored by Jordan. They hooping the ugliest goddamn shoes ever. <laughs> I realized like, yeah, because I'm getting all the retro joints. I'm flipping those. I would probably do the same thing. I'm not gonna lie. I would just 100. percent I was crying when I didn't get the university blue. Broadcast it though, Drew. You wouldn't. You would. You yeah. would hustle it like, but yeah. you wouldn't like tweet about or like be extravagant with what you did with the money. You wouldn't do that. No. You're too smart. Well, I, I like to think I wouldn't. I like to think I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't think you would. Put your if stuff in a drawer. Like Drew, chill out. You go get us caught. <laughs> Basically, and that's what happened. I think it's nothing to just put your money away. If you really want to, you know, be an investor and all that kind of stuff, it's not that hard. Yeah. ESPN was like, Cape and Drew are out on Saint on a yacht in Saint Vincent. How'd they come there? <laughs> like, oh. Right. So a lot of elevens, so Jordan elevens. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all saw the HBO special with the old boy and the scandal and how he was pretty much helping the coaches get players and stuff. And it was like, yeah. listen, yeah. it's all. Yeah. I saw in this whole uh, pandemic, and I was like, yo, <laughs> he's a genius, but he's a genius. That's like, that always be happening. Like, and I feel like in every state, there's like 
a million guys like that. But got too big for his britches. He got too greedy. Yeah, he was playing them, though. He was playing them. uh, I mean, this dude was ranking himself, first of all. Let's start there. He ranked himself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, he was smart with it. Like you said, I think he just kind of, I mean, people were getting mad, too, that he was. Yeah, of course. Of course. But um, so what are some of the challenges? You talked about broadcasting and radio. What are some of the challenges you faced in that in that space? Um, I think it's an opportunity. You're going to see a lot of Black women in, you're going to see a lot of women in this space for whatever reason. For, well, I know the reason, but um, I think we're always looked at as like a sidekick. Um, we're always looked at like, let me just make sure everything's funny or, you know, doing a cute little joke every now and then or be something ditzy and never really given that space to really have great analysis. But you see a change, right? You see it on the bigger stage, but it's a lot of behind the scenes groundwork. Like, yeah, we'll give you the opportunity one day, but it's also, we like that sass. We like that certain personality you have. We like that certain XYZ, which I think at the end of the day, they're code words, right? Like it's certain, it's certain code words that you're just like, I'm not sassy, I'm just speaking, but okay. <laughs> um, and so hopefully it gets to a place where, you know, just give me a shot because I'm good at what I do, not because I'm the girl who's gonna bring XYZ, it's because I'm an actually talented host who can right. bring whatever you need. Man, I hit the mute button. All right. So I was kind of curious, like, so who are some of the, this is a random question, but who are some of like the women you kind of look up to as far as the broadcasting world? Because I will say, or maybe not even women, because I'll say this, I'll ask you this. Do you like, mm-hmm. or do you rock with Bumani Jones? Yeah, I love Bumani. He's actually one of the first people ever uh, like famous to follow me on Twitter. And I was like, mm. I really think I made it. <laughs> that was my first one. I think it's because I'm from Raleigh. He started out his career here, and uh, he was actually on a show when I was having to fill in for somebody. And so we were talking about J. Cole, and that's where it kind of like hit off. But mm, that's like my favorite dude on a. Yeah. And so he, he's brilliant. And I don't know. I just I can't imagine just being that smart all the time and having to listen to people be that them like especially like be like co-host with people or not even co-host but just be on the same kind of talent pool with guys like Jason Whitlock you know and like even even Stephen A sometimes right and just be like you girl please like I just I can't imagine but yeah yeah he's someone I look up to um obviously you have Maria Taylor who is great how she does in so many avenues now and so many different platforms with the different sports she covers Jamel Hill she's corny (laughs) not gonna lie but my girl be, she be trying, right? She's very intelligent. Again, came from the Raleigh News and Observer pipeline. Um, brilliant writer. Um, I think it's where, you know, it gets dicey. Like everybody who writes is not supposed to be an on-air personality. Everybody's an on-air personality. Not really. Everybody has their niche. And so I think that's, you know, of course people tell you like, oh, do so many things, go many different hats. I'm like, or be really good at what you do, right? right. Like if you're not a great writer, don't, I mean, you can, but don't sit here and try and force yourself in this situation. If you're not a great on-air host, it's okay. Don't force that either. <laughs> That's yeah. not everybody's ministry, right? So there are yeah, two. AJ Reddick, AJ Reddick ain't getting paid to catch alleys. He's getting paid <laughs> to shoot threes. That's his job. I'm trying to say, like, we want to see Zion dunk. I don't want to see you shoot any threes. You can't right. barely get your feet off the ground. Like, your knees is going to go at least in the next three to five. Oh, Come on now. God. Don't get me started down that train. Uh, <laughs> 
He walks like an old man at 19, and I'm just like, God bless you, child. Is he hurt? I mean, what? He's an what? ogre. Like, he's Shrek. Bro, he's something, man. He got to tighten up, though. He, You're right. He's going to be sure he's going to be 25 on the pot on our pod. <laughs> <That's the word. laughs> Ask him what he's doing next, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we re-wrapping up. Um, you know, we we celebrated what, what was it, International Women's Day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh obviously you're a woman. And so <laughs> we just want to ask you what are some of your biggest milestones um that you've seen? What would you like? What would you like to see moving forward? Yeah, for myself. Well, or just or just women. I'll say women of color. Yeah, black women. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really like, and I know that sounds bad, but at the same time, like, I'm very much about me and mine, like, and I want you to be about you and yours. You do what you gotta do for you and yours. I'm about me and mine. You're, rooting, think, for every, you're rooting for everybody black. Listen, listen. I want my Issa Rae vibes because. God, just being a black woman, I think, especially when you hit 30, and it's just something, it's a different level of, I'm not just putting up with nothing, you know, like, I'm not just going to allow to be spoken to a certain way, I'm not going to be allowed to, like, people treat me any type of way, like, it's just, no, and I think it's a beautiful space to see more black women there and get acknowledged for all the accomplishments that we've already been doing. I mean, hell, we had to have a movie like Hidden Figures to realize we were working with NASA. Like, it's things like that that you would never know unless somebody put us on a certain stage. But I'm hoping for more Black women to be able to just share all those types of stories and have their own platform and space to do that without having to go through maybe the different hurdles to get that kind of story told. I think we should just be able to create spaces like the women, you know, who are doing it now, you know, Ava DuVernay, you know, Issa Rae, all these type of people who are able to tell our stories. And I hope that just continues from a sports perspective. I think, you know, we saw Janae Ogumike, she has her own show now with uh, Golik Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, having that, that was the first time I've seen someone in a while, if ever, being the first African-American female with her own ESPN show. Um, so I think it's just the seat, this, the, the glass is shattering. That's cool. Let's make it consistent. I hope it's hope it goes beyond, you know, like God forbid, like I'm gonna keep it real. After the Dave Siobhan trial, you know, whether or not he gets convicted, we might see another uproar, right? So I don't know where this climate and culture is gonna be, but I hope it's just not like it was cool for now to celebrate black women, but all right, now that y'all piping down, let's, you know, cut it out. And I'm not one to big to be like black woman, everything all the time, but at the same time, <laughs> we've had plenty of time to celebrate other people. So like, it, it's cool for me if we have a little bit of shine for a little bit, but I also think putting the humanity back in black women, <laughs> um, you know, you, you listen to stories like Serena Williams literally almost died in childbirth because nobody advocated for her, she had to advocate for herself. So I think like it shouldn't take a Serena Williams, right? Like <laughs> I'm not going to be a Serena Williams, but one day I'm going to have kids and I hope somebody listens to me, right? I hope I don't have to go full different kiss and North Carolina girl on you to get some damn respect, right? So I'm hoping that we get to a space where you can stop just assuming we're so resilient that we're not having broken moments. You just uh, assume we're so strong and that we don't go through things and we don't cry and we don't break. It's like, no, we're doing all of that, <laughs> but we're wiping our tears putting on that whatever music we got to and we're handling our business because we've always had to. Right. So I hope we get to a space where we can just be like, you know, what? I need a break tag. 
black man, help me. <laughs> white woman, you say you're an ally, help me. White man, you say you're an ally, help me, right? Instead of always having to help ourselves. I mean, look at the current culture politics. We had to, we had to get Stacy, okay? Had to get everybody in line together, but that's what we have to do. We know what we have to do, but it would just be nice in the future if we didn't have to just do it by ourselves. And not to say people don't, right? right? But just even more, just like better advocacy from all other walks for you know women in general. I think it give women a chance, <laughs> right? I think it's it's high time that you don't give her a chance for a year, kind of like black coaches in the NFL. You don't give us a chance for two to three years trying to make something great. If it doesn't happen, never talk to us again. That's just, <laughs> you know, like I want to get to a space where we can fail and not be our only shot, <laughs> right? Like I want us to get to a place where we can fail and try to get another chance. It, sh- it should be that because a lot of people who are not qualified fail forward. It's unfortunate, but we see it every day. So I'm not going to say, again, I don't believe equality is going to happen in my lifetime, <laughs> but I think progress will happen because I hope I can be that agent of change. And I hope that I can, you know, inspire other people to do that for themselves. What about when you talked just now about the head coach, I think from the new head coach of Philadelphia Eagles on his interview, he was on vacation. And so yeah. he dressed up clothes. So we had him call yeah. like a uh, short sleeve shirt and, the owners and everyone else, they dress down to make him feel more comfortable. And I was just like, listen, listen. Wow. I'm like, as a black woman, I have grown to have a love hate with the NFL. So I'm like, you hate me. You've shown so many different ways with domestic violence, with the way you treat my people, with the way you treat my men. Like you do not care about me. Right. Like, but I, I love the sport. Right. I love all it does. But on the outside of it, you're like, man, these men are going through so much stuff physically, mentally, only to be not cared about six to seven years after they do whatever, right? They do it for six years and then what's their life? So I think working on just advocacy for sports and athletes, so important. <laughs> Even if you don't play professional, if you play co- collegiate, if you play high school, what does that look like for you outside of sports when it's done? Because if, if we can't find better resources for these students, they are going to fail. They are going to struggle. They're going to go through mental hurt. Can you imagine the mental hurt they're already experiencing, but trying to figure out life when there's literally nothing available to them right now, barely, <laughs> or something they have to take because they have to survive, they have to get benefits. Like we need to provide better resources and outlets for these kids. That's my three cents. I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's uh, yeah. um, I, one thing I'll say about that all-star game, going back to that, one thing I was thinking was that, and it, my, my uh, mind has changed, but about four or five years ago, I was like, and this is when I was working at HBCU, I was like, you know, I want my children to go to a PWI because especially if they play sports, because they'll be seen. I want them to have the best research because you know the difference. Carolina and Central resources are different, right? I was thinking in my mind that I want my kid to have the best. But recently, I'm thinking that, you know, it's, it's so incredible. And I, and I'm like, I kind of want my kid to go to a HBCU because you think about how many coaches have made their careers off the backs of black athletes, female and male that have, have, have gone through and had their successes. And just because they haven't verbalized or made them a slip up, like my guy from Creighton did the other day, that there, and you know, I don't know the guy, so I don't want to speak too bad about him. But what my point is, you think he's him or these other ones that have been exposed are the only racist coaches out here? 
they just play the game. They finesse. They recruit. I love you. I do do make me a millionaire. Keep my job. But when they're done, and not all of them, of course, but I'm just saying there's there's got to yeah. be quite a few out there. And so in my mind, I'm like, I kind of want my kid to go get that. That If it's just for four years of his life that he's not the minority, like he's loved and they're teaching, they're pouring into him, they're making him a, you know, uh, part of the, their main agenda. I, I want that instead yeah. of him just being a number at a big school. Sure. And and all of that. And so I, I had a moment watching the All-Star stuff the other day. I was like, you know, it wouldn't, my mind has changed a lot over the last five years, just in working at both, working at a PWO and working at HBCU. I'm like, ain't nothing wrong with a HBCU, man. We, we don't have as much, you don't have as much, but that's that's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. I think it goes, it depends on the school, right? I think that certain schools, black, black exploitation is just as bad, if not oh, worse. Oh, sure, for sure. Right? We, so know a like, we know a guy. <laughs> Right. And so I think it's just like it's a matter of just changing culture. Like it's changing narrative. And it's of course it's not better for you know people who don't look like you to be feeding you BS, but I think it's just all a matter of changing the narrative of how coaching styles and coaching philosophies and that old school way of just feeling like these men and women are boys and girls to you, right? They're just numbers, figureheads. So I think that's that's the big key for that. But yeah. Honestly, again, I'm all about black education because <laughs> yeah. that's something like, you know, we talk about old school, but that's something that they can never take from you. So I think the more you know, the more you equip yourself with, man, you're you're really a force because if they can't fool you, <laughs> if they can't BS you, it's going to be hard to just be like, oh, yeah, well, you, you're going to have to be blatant and come out and say it then, right? Exactly. So I think that's that's where I'm at with it. Like, yeah, you ain't fooling me at this point. <laughs> the BS, <laughs> it don't work for me like it used to. Like, I used to, like, yeah, I really bought into a lot of dreams. Like, a lot of dreams were sold to me. And I really was like, yeah, this is going to be work out for my good. And not to say that it hasn't because it's made me who I am for a certain reason. But, yeah, it's, it's a different level of things that I'm willing to take because I don't have to. I don't have to. And I think I'll, I hope that college kids get to that place of realizing that they don't have to put up with certain things and certain culture and certain language from people who look like them and don't look like them. Because, you I mean, you have some Black coaches who are like, fall in line, just do what you got to do. Like, no, <laughs> I don't have to do that either. Just because you put up with that, <laughs> just because you think that's the status quo in the way, it's not. <laughs> right? Yeah, so I hope that changes. Yeah. Man, this this next question, I feel like just with talking, I feel like I know who you're gonna say. But I'm gonna ask it anyway. Oh Lord. When that continues to inspire you just to be the best version of yourself. Who inspires me? Yeah. Man, to be the best version of myself. That's a great question. Honestly, my mom, because like as much as my dad is the athletic brains behind the situation, my mom is the brains, right? She like when it comes to just hustling, to adjusting, to code switching, like she went to Smith in Massachusetts. So she literally taught me how to operate <laughs> in a world that doesn't accept us, right? And so I think she inspires me to keep going. She just landed her dream job at what, 60 plus, <laughs> right? Um, she's now going to be the first black city attorney for Raleigh. And so she has just, the way she's been so happy and the way she's like, listen, prayers of the righteous avail this month. And just like, God is going to bless you. You were nice to this person. God's going to bless you. Like, don't think all these, you know, free opportunities that you're doing are going to be in vain. And she's like the motivation for me um, to not lose hope because <laughs> it's very, very, very bleak at the moment. But she is the person who is just like, you know, little by little dime in the basket. It's going to make, it's going to turn out for your good. Um, so she's the person who inspires me 
But honestly, like, you know, just in general, I would say I'm not inspired by much, <laughs> but I think it's, cause I, listen, I'm not gonna keep banned. My faith in humanity has changed a little bit after this pandemic. Like a lot of, like the way I just believed in people, just being able to do the right thing for a little bit of time to get through some hardships. It's, it's been, it's been tough. But I also see the good stories and the people who are genuinely trying to make a difference that's like, okay, <laughs> it's not all in vain. Everyone's not horrible. So I definitely, I definitely go back and forth. Yo, this pandemic has really showed me like, like there are real live bishops out here. It's like, yo, I don't give me or <laughs> you. And it's like, yo, this I really just want to see the earth burn, like burn, just burn up. Like, and I'm like, if you're coming back, just say so, right? Like entitlement, <laughs> entitlement is at an all time individualism, right? Like, what's gonna look out for me and mine? I don't, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to be anything to change from what I'm used to. I don't want my normalcy to change. I don't want to help my fellow man because, like, why, right? So we good. I'm good. My people good. My circle good. So what? That ain't got nothing to do with me. I promise you when you when it was revealed how it affects black and brown people more when we're talking about COVID than other people, the caring, downhill. It just yeah. went downhill. It's like, oh, I open open back up. You don't kill us, let's go. Open it all back up. <laughs> and I that's mean, the scary part. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the only reason that you know the capital happened and then all of a sudden we want yeah, there's there's you know uh, there's a problem. Yeah, because your life in the, in that moment, you were fearful of your own life. Black people go through that every single day. Every Can single. I tell day. you, nobody would have got to them steps before getting shut up. Come on, it would have been the biggest massacre in American history by far. When the Cena step, okay, parking lot. Oh, we saw a group of people get it. Black people get out. No, we good. Right. We saw it in the summer. They were they were they were peaceful protesting in the summer and was getting gassed and maced and so. And they had guns in their hands and they were just walking up, banging on stuff, breaking stuff. Like it was just sort of every day. It was a, it was just a Wednesday. I was watching like, yo, they're not gonna they're not about to do anything. <laughs> like it's just like. It's just, Are you surprised? They had people. They had people helping. Like there was an Olympic swimmer. Who ended up getting charges oh. because he wore yeah. his jacket. He wore his Olympic jacket to the Capitol. Well, and he was six five too. I mean, he's standing <laughs> there with his. You don't. You can't get that from Target. The <laughs> I think that just goes back to the psyche of you really feel like you're above and nothing yeah. is going to happen. And that's swimming culture, right? There's one percent of people that are black. Why? Because people feel like it's just not something that we should open the doors for, and that's fine for whatever reason. You know, take that to you and yours, but. It's like the entitlement of feeling like I can just do whatever and there are no repercussions. That's just, that's scary. And that's what much. it was. That's <laughs> what it was. I mean, you yeah. got the guys putting their feet up on the furniture. I mean, we know to do not to do that at grandma's house. I mean, we Come on. You can't do that at the crib. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's a, it's a, you're right. That's exactly in a nutshell. Yeah. It's that sense of entitlement and knowing, like not believing or just this ideology. No, nothing's going to happen to me. Like nothing right. ever happens to me. So I can storm the Capitol building in DC and I'll be good. It's crazy. So um, it is sad, but um, so we're down to the last question. And um, this has been great. I, I feel like we could talk all the way till tomorrow, but we can't. <laughs> My bedtime's coming too. Uh, what's one piece of advice you would give to current student athletes who are getting ready to graduate? Ooh, please go visit your career counselor. Please just get some sort of blueprint of, you know, write down your talents, write down your strengths, write down the things that like 
you've really learned during your time, right? Because even if you don't think it's going to be an asset, even if you think writing papers, like, man, formulating emails is, some people cannot do it, right? <laughs> like, some people cannot do presentations. Some people cannot put a PowerPoint deck together. Like, it's just those simple things where you're like, okay, what am I good at? What did I excel at? Do I really love science? Do I really love math? Do I really love, you know, communications? All those things where you can just give yourself, what are the doors that can be open? Google is a blessing, right? I think you got to just figure out what are the avenues. Like if you don't take the time to research, what are the avenues for careers that I want to do? What is the pathway? Do I want to be in sports? Do I want to be a regular old Joe? Do I want to be a housewife? Like whatever you want to do, I encourage you to really follow that because it's not going to be <laughs> a linear path. I can tell you that. But I do think that if you stay the course, all the right doors at the right time will open. It really will. Um, I look, I, I sit there and look back all the times where I'm like, dang, that, that was nothing but <laughs> right faith and believing and the right person answering the right email on the right day, right? You're just giving me an opportunity, taking the time to interview me and just pinging me to somebody else just from having a conversation or willing to speak with me. Um, use your network. <laughs> if you go to a big university, that's why it's there. Certain people look out for you solely on the fact that you have that name <laughs> beside your you know, degree. I think that's something like a resource, especially for you know minorities for Carolina. You like you have to look out for each other. Like HBCUs, the way that people look out for each other, honey, <laughs> it ain't nothing, right? Like, oh, you want to switch a bet? Say less. Hi. Like, and, and that's that's it. Oh, I'm I'm actually gonna bypass so many candidates simply because you have an HBCU in the title of your degree. You know what I'm saying? And that's cool. Like, listen, that's what you want, that's what it's for. Right. That's what that's what we do it for, to help each other. That's the that sh should be what it's for. Um, and I also think like once you're out, <laughs> really reach back. Make sure you take care of other people because paying it forward ultimately opens more doors for you because you're allowed to pay it forward. You got to keep paying it forward. So I got to keep getting blessed because I got to have more avenues to help other people. So I think that's important. That's great. Yeah. Hey. Hey, it, it really does feel like family. I feel like you're a cousin or something. <laughs> I got to check the tree, the North Carolina tree or something. I got to check the pops, man. Oh, yeah. You already know. You already know. Yeah. Hey, when it's over, we got to get to the 252 cookout somewhere. Listen, I need a hush puppy and a plate. Okay. <laughs> wait yeah, for this me. Good. This is good. I cannot though. wait. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time again. I am so glad I was in this with people. Like, thank you for giving me the opportunity. And, you know, I already think that this is amazing, but I look forward to seeing it go to its next level. Not that it's not already good, but just know that you are inspiring your podcast. It's super dope. The opportunities that you are allowing for people just to listen and tell stories and share stories is important, right? We have to tell our stories because if we don't, who will? Couldn't agree with you more. And you just made the pod doper. After, after the, <laughs> so we, we appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I appreciate you, Coop. I knew it was going to be a dope episode as soon as you responded. Like, I was like, you got to have Coop on. But, <laughs> yeah, we was tripping, actually. We should have been had you on. So I, <laughs> that, that's my bad. It's okay. That's Listen, bad. I needed my story to get a little bit better. It had to get a little nah, spicier. Nah. I, had to get, I had to get a place of peace for a lot of things. But I'm telling you, I think three, four years ago, I probably wouldn't have said half them stories because I, you know, you want to protect people. I know you watch Harry and Meghan interview on Oprah, but like you want to protect people right. because you do want to protect the brand because it didn't mean something to you at some point, right? right? But you can also take a step back and be like, that was BS. And that shouldn't happen to anybody again. 
And it's your truth. And it's your truth. You don't have to apologize. This is your truth. You're not lying. Yeah. uh, You can be a good character in my truth or a bad character. Yeah. I've had to learn to let some people go ahead and just be the villain. And that's okay. Just for that moment. You know, you forgive, but yeah. Whatever. But yeah, we appreciate you. Um, As always, you know, if you need anything from us, reach out, hang in there. Uh, and we'll be in touch. I'm, I'm gonna be in yeah. touch with you soon. Um, just off please. the record, just to just to chop it up with you about sure. about some life stuff. So please, I get I, listen. I'm very open to advice, to navigating. Like I could, yeah. I could use that <laughs> right now. I'm in that right. space of receiving wisdom. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no problem at all. We'll be in touch with you. So we appreciate. Okay. It. Yeah, of course. Y'all have a good night. You do the same. All right.